0: I never knew you, prologue. When we fall in love, we lose ourselves for a while. It's as if our emotions and feelings are sucked up into a whirlwind and become too volatile for us to control and make sense of. But in time, the winds begin to calm and we find ourselves once more, altered forever by the experience, whether our love continues or not. However. I feel a greater consideration is this in any relationship and even after years of loving and living with the same person can we ever truly know them for it seems to me that however much we think we share who we are with the one we love we hold a part of ourselves separate a part that belongs to us alone and which we have no choice but to keep locked securely inside whether these fragments of ourselves are treasure or something darker only we can know. That is, unless we are prepared to share them. I Never Knew You, Chapter One. Memory is a curious and bewildering mistress each one of us are players in our own life drama and only partly in control of what happens to us and in turn the memories that we must carry throughout our lives. But once these memories take up residence in our minds, we live at the mercy of their influence. Exactly one week after celebrating my 13th birthday, my childhood came to an abrupt and unexpected end. I was neither ready nor Prepared. I never knew you. Riverside Encounter. But something seemed amiss and I felt uneasy. I went into each room downstairs and up, calling Toby's name as I went. At the front of the house, the air seemed still, save for the murmur of music, chatter and laughter that travelled from the back garden. <clears throat> As I made my way down the slope of the lawn towards the river, Frida, who thought it was time for a walk, yapped at my feet. I kicked off my heels and left them lying in the grass and my skirt swished against my ankles. Up ahead, a wind moaned amongst the trees, and it seemed as though I'd never heard it before, as its lilted tone carried me forwards. Beneath the weeping willows, the air felt fresh on my face, and a glassy whisper blew in from the river, where currents bubbled and prattled over rocks and pebbles, as the water flowed, shallow and crystalline. Frieda trotted on ahead. The grass cushioned my feet as I walked, and with the wine swimming through me, I felt as though I were floating somewhere between the ground and sky, like a bird overhead that looked down upon the earth. All around me everything appeared clearer and sharper, as if the dust and heat had been washed away. I stood still. The air seemed charged with an unearthly silence, and a sense of dread grew inside of me. The birds had ceased their song and the breeze dropped to an awful hush amongst the branches and murmuring leaves. Even the water seemed to flow soundless and distant, separate. Sun particles, if there was such a thing, seemed suspended in the air and coated the trees and the dust-laden path. Even the surface of the water, flowing silver and smooth on its journey to the sea, I lifted my face and the leaves dipped and brushed my skin like feather-tips. Further ahead I heard Frieda whine and a familiar voice. I ran onwards and around a bend in the path, dodging and jumping over roots and raised stones as I went. Up ahead I saw Toby, sitting beside Ewan's memorial stone, only a few yards from the water's edge. He gazed down as though mesmerised by the gentle swell of the water. Frieda lay at his side and looked up at me as I neared.